So, hello everyone. Welcome to our brand new podcast show for the love of books featuring indie and small press authors who bravely navigate the treacherous waters of self-publishing and marketing even during the pandemic. I will be your host, Emma, and we're going to have a great show with an international guest lineup as we move forward to vaccinating the entire globe. <laughs> this show was made partly possible by the generosity of Doc A.E. Chavent and her support for the arts. It is my pleasure to present to you author Jean Davis of West Michigan. She writes science fiction and fantasy. Davis has authored a total of eight books, including a space opera series, The Narvan, two short story collections, and three standalone novels. Davis falls into the category of what I call COVID authors, meaning that she wrote, finished, published, and marketing during the pandemic at full speed, regardless the absence of in-person author events. Welcome, Jean. Well, thank you. Jean, tell us about your COVID author experience. Which books were written and published in the pandemic? Oh my, <laughs> I had a very busy COVID time. Um, I actually got a lot of writing done because I, I wasn't out selling books and meeting readers at, at events. So um, I actually published uh, Dreams of Stars and Lies came out during COVID and also uh, the second book and third book of the Narvan. Um, one came out at the very beginning and then one just came out uh, last month. Uh, that came out during COVID. And I've also co-authored a book during COVID. I've written another a couple books during COVID um, and I'm getting ready to publish another one uh, next month or this actually this month now. Yes, the end of this, this month. month. Yeah. So how would you compare COVID publishing or during the COVID era to publishing in normal times? I had a lot more time to just <laughs> sit down and get some writing and editing and, and work on covers and all that good stuff. Uh, that I probably would not have normally had because I would have been out doing all these events on the weekends and working during the week. And um, that kind of limits my time to do all that fun stuff that I need to do to get books out. So uh, I, I got a lot more productivity in with everything being canceled. <laughs> uh, the one thing I was not able to do, obviously, was go out and do book signings and go to the art festivals and red fairs and craft shows and comic cons like I normally do to get to meet readers and, and actually more market and sell the books, but um, they are all available online. So I, I do have them out there. They are out there. People will find them. When did you start writing and why? Uh, I started writing as a young child in elementary school uh, and mostly just worked on little short stories. And, and actually one of my very first longer stories was kind of a novella was the seed for the first book of the Narvan that I ended up writing in, gosh, 1980 something in there. Uh, I took some creative writing classes in high school and then um, kind of just let it, I, I wrote, but I wasn't really all that serious about it till my kids were probably finally getting into kindergarten. And I, I had that time to just sit and do some writing on my own that I, I didn't have for many years with kids being little. Uh, I've always been writing, but I didn't start writing seriously until about 2006. And at that point, I kind of made a pledge that I wanted to publish a book in some way by, uh, by the time I was 40. Uh, I made it by, I think I was 39-ish in there that I, I finally started publishing. I did some short stories and then got a contract for my first novel. And then it's all just been going from there. It's been, it's been a great train ride so far. Good. What do you feel sets you apart from other authors? Um, I like to write a lot of different things. I don't just write science fiction or just fantasy or just paranormal or whatever. I, I kind of jump around. So I do, I have a space opera series that is uh, kind of more of an involved. So if you like, uh, like Star Trek and Star Wars and that kind of thing, it's a very involved world with not make your brain hurt sci-fi, but, but good involved sci-fi. Uh, and then I have a, a sci-fi romance story. I have a fantasy story. Um, I have short story collections. And then I have a dystopian novel. My next one coming out is a comedic fantasy novel. I, I, I like to read a lot of different things. So I like to write, I, I don't wanna be stuck in just one specific little niche. Yeah. 
What have you learned about yourself while writing your books? Um, gosh, about myself. Well, I guess I like to talk to imaginary people a lot. <laughs> or something <laughs> real people. <laughs> so do you like to talk to imaginary people more than to real people? I do. I, yeah, yeah. They, Are they, they easier to talk to? They're easier, to? yeah. They don't necessarily listen to me, but but I, I can have more active conversations. So yeah. <laughs> Understandable. How have you changed as an author? Um, I did when I originally started writing, um, you know, my writing wasn't very good because I was just starting. But uh, I started writing a lot of very, my, my earlier stuff was very dialogue heavy, especially my early drafts uh, when I first started writing because I, I really focus on the dialogue and not necessarily on the scenes and the setting and then the mm -hmm. characters development kind of stuff. And I would have to go in and add all that in later uh, during the many letters of editing. And now I kind of, I have that in my head that this is a thing I need to work on. And so now I, I'm able to, to put out a first draft that has much more of that included than I did originally because I I had the little editing voices in the back of my head of all these different people that have helped me over the years. And like, this one says I should add this. And oh, yep, I better not forget this. <laughs> what platform do you publish on and why? I kind of dip in all the baskets. So I have, I have done self-publishing. I've published through a small press. And as self-publishing, I have gone through Amazon. I have worked with Smashwords. And I have worked with Ingram Spark. And it's, they all have their benefits. So it just depends on what you're going for. I have, I like Amazon for the fact you can do the Kindle Unlimited program. And some people, you know, if they're in that, that it's really nice, you can say, hey, I have books on Kindle Unlimited. And maybe they would try you out there while they already are paying for that program. And then if they like your books, they would actually purchase ones that are not on Kindle Unlimited, um, which is why I like Smashwords because they're a wider distribution through all the different online things for your eBooks. So I have um, Dreams of Stars of Lies is actually on Smashwords, and then my newest book will also be through there. Uh, they are on Amazon, but they are not Kindle Unlimited books. And then my series is all through Ingram Spark, which I actually ended up doing that because my publisher of the first, they published the first book through a small press, and they had gone through Ingram. And obviously, I didn't want to pull my book from Ingram because it was actually gets more just wide, much wider distribution through that than you would through Amazon. And so I've done all the rest of the series books through there. Okay. And you have also co-authored a book with Ingar Erdholm. Yeah. How did yes. that work out? I just can't even, even imagine co-writing anything with anyone. It was fun. Um, we, we share a lot of um, tents at different events and things. And so we've, we've worked together at tables and things. And I I helped format when he had to reformat his first book and I helped him do that. And then I helped him edit the second book, uh, went over that form a little bit. So I was very familiar with his first two books and he wanted to get his third book out because he, he's a slower writer. He just, some people, everybody writes at different states and I'm a yes. very fast writer as far as getting the first draft out. Um, so we had kind of talked, he had read Destiny Pills and Space Wizards one of my short story collections. And it has some um, stories that's told from a kid's point of view. And he, he kind of liked those. And he said, well, would you be interested in helping me get the set third book out so it doesn't take years for him to get the next book out mm -hmm. for, for younger adults? And he has a, a window of, of age groups that the books are appropriate for. And, and by the time he was getting the first book out, they were out of out of the age group by the second time the second book came out. Yeah. Said, going. Um, so he asked me to write, help him write this third book. And he kind of wrote the outline. It's kind of a bare bones of the chapters. And then I went and put a bunch of meat and muscle on them for him and then gave them back to him. And then he kind of rewrote everything in his voice because it needs to match the first two books. Uh, so it doesn't sound completely different than the first two in my voice. So he, he ended up rewriting everything. Um, it's in editing right now. And hopefully that book will be out, The um, Traveling Circus and the Skeleton Key will be out in May, I believe, is what he's aiming for. How long did the whole process take from the initial idea or to the final product? He gave me the um, outline, and I, it, I don't remember exactly what month it was, but it probably took me a month and a half uh, going over his stuff. We kind of went back and forth on different scenes because he was working on stuff and I was working on stuff. And we were sharing a document um, 
And I think there was only one time that, that we were both working on the same scene accidentally. <laughs> and so he had to kind of mishmash the best of both worlds there. But it worked out fairly well. Um, I, I think it took about a month and a half for me to add my stuff and then kind of handed it over to him to do everything he needed to do with it to put it back in his voice. Wow, that's so interesting. Um, what do you find the easiest and the hardest in the whole process from the initial idea to getting the book in front of the readers? Um, I, I, I draft pretty quickly. So I usually, I do national novel writing months. So November is always my writing month and I always get a, a rough draft of something out. Uh, one year it was short stories that I did. And I think, I think for the most part, I've done a novel every year out of that where in this past past year I did two novels so because COVID productivity mm -hmm. um <laughs> uh yeah so I've, I've always been good about just getting a draft out when I set my mind to it that I'm going to get a draft and do a draft really quickly as far as what takes me the longest or the hardest is probably the editing of it because I have I do my edit and then I I do I do probably three layers of editing and then I send it out to um, some of my friends that kind of do developmental editing and or critique partners and have them go over it and then it comes back to me. And then that process takes a lot longer because I have to weigh what their feedback and what I want to change. And, and then once we, once we get over that hump, then things go pretty quickly again. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Out of the new book, there are five stories in the new book, right? Which yeah. one is your favorite and why? Oh, that's a good question. I have to familiarize myself with which stories on here. Um, I would say probably Sipper was my favorite. I love them all. Yeah, <laughs> I asked me to pick one of my children. Um, Sipper was probably my favorite just because uh, it's, it's a longer story. It's probably my longest short story I've ever written. Um, it's kind of the anchor story for the book. And it was, it was a lot of fun to write. I did a lot of... Um, I had I, I pounded that story out and I was really happy with it. And then I sent it off to um, Stella, who is one of my favorite critique partners. And she read it and she's like, well, you could change this. I had sent it out in submissions actually for a while, but it was kind of a, on the longer end of, of what people are looking for for short stories. And so she read it and she, she made some excellent suggestions and it really, I think, brought the story around to where I really wanted it to be that I didn't even know before she read it. <laughs> How many words is it, that longest story? Ooh, um, I don't know off the top of my head. I would say it's probably somewhere between, I would say maybe 15,000 words. Oops. Oh, yeah. That is yeah. longer. That's yeah. a longer short story. That's yeah. a longer short story. Yeah, I bet. When do you find the time to write? The favorite I, question we all get asked. When do you I find the write, time to write? In the morning is my my time to write where I, I kind of have that set aside. Um, that could be where I'm actually writing. I could be editing. I could be critiquing something for somebody else or whatever. But I, I am sitting in front of the computer doing book re, book related things. And then after work, I usually try to get in a couple pages of something that also before dinner. And then after dinner, um, Assuming we have nothing going on, I'll usually slink back down here and, and work on it a little while longer yet. If if the uh, mode in my mind is is in, in the right mood for that, um, but yeah, I usually am fairly productive during the day. I, I'd say I probably spend two hours in the morning and two to three hours in the evening if if all goes well. Wow, that's pretty cool. Wow, where where will people find you in person this year? person this year uh hopefully in a lot of places <laughs> just maybe some of them some of your favorite ones where you get yeah. a really good turnout and return customers yeah um i will definitely be doing the uh muskegon lakeshore art festival hopefully we'll get that again that's a big author tent so we have uh, 20 different authors there uh that's a lot of fun we do that one hopefully we'll be at grand rapids comic-con if Please let us that have that happening again this year. Please, uh, so please. I'll be, yeah, I had a really good time there, not last year because it didn't happen, but the year before, um, mm -hmm. meeting a lot of readers there. Uh, let's see, the other big ones I'm doing. Um, let's see, Get Geeked over uh, in the Lansing area, I believe that one's at. Uh, that's another Comic Con, and we'll be doing PenguinCon. That's a virtual event. 
Okay. Uh, so not necessarily in-person person, but in Zoom-ish kind of person. Zoom-ish? Um, Zoom <laughs> I'm not sure what platform we're doing that on yet. But uh, yeah, that'll be later on this month. Uh, I think it's the 22nd through the 25th. That's pingocon.org. You can sign up for that. And that's all things sci-fi. Um, and so it's and, and open source software and craft things and all kinds of fun stuff happens at that. When it's in person, it's a lot more fun, but we'll do what we have to do this year. <laughs> well, definitely. Where can people find your books? Uh, my books are all online. They're all on Amazon. Uh, like I said, the newest one um, and my next one will be uh, on Snatchwords. So that one is much more widely available. And then my series is pretty much everywhere that's, that you can find books online. So that was at Barnes and Noble. It's probably at the, it's at the Apple iBooks. I you know, it's all the, all the different fun places you can find books. And you can also find them on my website if you want to buy uh, signed paperback copies at jeandavisauthor.com. What is your favorite or maybe most trending seller format? Is it paperback or Kindle? I would say people buy paperbacks. When I go out and meet readers and they, I say, oh, they're also in, in paperback, or, you know, in ebooks. And they're like, oh, I really like the feel of a book. I like books. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I sell both, but but people really tend to like the paperback books. I I I do too. I'm I have some books that I read on Kindle, but I prefer to have them in my hands. <laughs> Me too. Exactly. Me too. Tell us about your award for trust. You got an award for trust. Yes, that was the author shout out award, and um, that was kind of fun. I don't normally enter a lot of contests and stuff. Uh, I I. It seems like a lot of them are kind of pay to play and I'm, I'm not all about that. I, I rather have readers just find it and, and enjoy it and post a nice review. But mm -hmm. uh, that one happened to be, I, I, it was pandemic time and I'm like, well, I, I need to get out there somehow. So I'll try a contest. And there were actually a lot of Michigan authors placed in that. So it was really fun to be, nice. yeah, in a contest with a lot of, a lot of my peers. That was, it was a lot of fun. How cool. Would you like to read to us from your Dreams of Stars and Lies? Yes, I will read Dreams of Stars and Lies, yes. Nice cover. <laughs> Tell us about the cover. So this is actually um, a cover that I did. And the crystal on here um, is actually from Sipper. It's there. She goes to, Tia goes to a planet to kind of explore. And there's all these crystal towers on, on the planet that people okay. lived in and so she gets to go live in one and find out why they are no longer there it's a whole mystery science fiction mystery yeah so that's fun but this is actually a crystal that i own that i, I took a picture of and, and played with but played I, with. I, it's on a necklace that i wear <laughs> nice i like that very cool so i'm going to read to you from a, a story called battery which is a story I wrote for uh, my local writing group. We kind of had a prompt that we were working on together. And uh, mm -hmm. it was a story I, I brought to a, one of our meetings to have critiqued. And then I kind of went off on it and after that and got it finished up. And... So Battery starts with a glass wall surrounded Cecilia's narrow bed and the small table with two chairs, a pristine quiet square in the midst of the chaos of the warehouse. The white coats were busy today, sifting their sipping their coffee and buzzing around between desks and equipment. As always, two pairs of eyes watched her. Sitting atop the fluffy white comforter, her legs were crossed in a pillow clutched to her chest. She watched them back. Over the years, she'd watched Raymond's hair turn gray and wrinkles creep up further from Charlotte's eyes. Today, the pink of her lipstick had already feathered into the lines around her lips. When Celia had first arrived here, Charlotte had her held her hand, leading her to what Charlotte called the special playroom. The woman had seemed so tall, towering over Celia as she led the way into the room that she still sat in so many years later. The toys were gone, though. They hadn't been pleased with how she'd played with them. No one held her hand anymore, either. In fact, no one touched her at all. Everything was passed through a two-part slot in the door. Raymond and Charlotte spent the morning in their chairs, talking, about, talking without looking at one another, keeping their eyes on her. Celia watched the other white coats pointing at the screens and passing papers back and forth. They all stayed back, too far for her to hear them. She passed the hours making a conversation, their imagined voices playing out in her head. Dr. Herschel came in in the afternoon. His arrival allowed Charlotte and Raymond to take their lunch breaks. The doctor's bent form shuffled closer as he dragged one of the chairs over to the speaker near the sealed slot in her door. 
He pressed the button and activated the speaker. A faint hum filled her room. Good afternoon, Celia, he said, as he always did. He settled into the chair, balancing a notepad and pen on his lap. He didn't wait for her to reply. She rarely spoke. I brought something for you. Are you hungry? It had been a long time since she'd eaten. Enticed by his offer, she let go of the pillow and swung her legs over the edge of the bed. Celia stood, loose pants settled over her legs, sliding down to her feet. She hovered just above the floor. Come on then, he said. Dr. Herschel opened the slot and slid a rectangle through. It landed on the shelf inside the door with a heavy thunk. Two silver nodes protruded from the top. Her hands tingled with anticipation. Celia willed her body forward, gliding just above the floor. She only guessed was smooth. She'd never touched it. Celia willed her body, oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm hearing noises behind me here and it's distracting. <laughs> it's fully charged, he said. He picked up the battery and tried to ignore the hordes of white coats she knew were rapidly watching behind the safety of the yellow line that surrounded her room. If she weren't half starved, she would have set the meal on the table and made them wait. Her favorite game was to try to catch them being unobservant. That's why they had white coats and chairs now to make sure someone was always watching. She sighed. The only def defense she had left was to turn her back to them. Even then, she knew the sensors and cameras were all around her room. They'd still see everything, but somehow it felt like a little victory that they could see it with their own eyes. Celia placed her hands over the cool metal of the nodes, opening her power well. She drew from the battery. The tingle of incoming power invigorated her, but it wasn't enough. She still needed more. She dropped the empty battery back onto the shelf. A scratching sound filtered through the speaker. Still hungry? The doctor put his pen down. If you speak to me, I'll get you another one. Well, last time she'd spoken, the white coats had been horrified by the toys spinning through the air. It had been a wondrous day. The power inside her coalescing into something she finally understood. Something from her deep memories from home, a place far from here. If only she could speak to one of her own kind, she would surely understand her powers better. But the doctor and his team seemed to think she could understand them all on her own. You can do so much, Celia. Those who found you told us of great miracles done by your people. Don't you want to do glorious things? There was far more to life than sitting here on a bed all day. There was nothing more for her. The white coats made sure of that. We've been at an impasse for far too long, my dear. And if we don't start making progress, our little endeavor here would be terminated. His cloudy blue eyes drilled into her from the other side of the glass. Do you understand what I mean? Celia blinked once, engaging her secondary vision. Inside the doctor, his system moved slowly, the large muscle in his chest pumping at an inadequate rate. Dr. Herschel wouldn't be coming to see her much longer. Not that she would tell him so. His age-spotted hand curled into a fist atop the writing-filled page. I know you understand me, Celia. You understand everything here. You're a smart girl. We have the scans to prove it. Years of data. The doctor's fist thumped hard on the glass. What I need are results. And if you want to keep breathing, you're going to provide them. Is that clear enough for you? And then I'm well going to done. Nice. Very nice and enjoyable. Question. Where do you see the future of the indie experience going? What is the future of indie authors? It's I wide open. I've never asked that question. It just occurred to me. <laughs> Oh, throw it at me, why don't you? No, I mean, it's wide open. There are so many opportunities for, for authors right now. Well, not right now during COVID, but uh, getting out and just meeting readers at all different places. And there's there's so many places. Everyone reads. Well, most people read, right? Most, yeah, <laughs> most people read. Yeah, so there's, I mean, you can meet authors or meet readers everywhere. Uh, it's just getting out and talking about your books, really. Yeah. Do you think more people will go indie rather than traditional? I think so. I think so. I mean, having worked with a small press, I mean, it was nice as far as getting my first book out and, and my second book on it, uh, out, but it takes a long time. And um, some people are impatient. Hi, that's me. I'm impatient. And um, <laughs> so while they were taking so long to publish my books, I actually self-published a couple books during that interim time before they published my second one. Uh, and and really, if, if you're some of the bigger small presses do a really good job with marketing and promotion, but a lot of them don't. Uh, they're they're focused on on their little niche and doing their thing. And um, so you're doing a lot of marketing on your own anyway. And so be able to to be able to indie publish and, and know what you're doing and get out and do your own marketing and you get to keep the profits for yourself, which you're the writer. So as long as you can do the do the work to get the book out, you know, in a, in a quality book, then I think you should go for it. 
So what would you recommend to completely newbie authors, indie authors who published their first debut book during the pandemic? How should they get into our circles? Because we were <laughs> lucky enough to meet in person. Not everybody had that privilege. Right, <laughs> definitely. Look at your Facebook groups in your area, search for you know uh, writers groups in your area, author groups, and start networking with them. Um, look for critique groups, books, bookstores, libraries, things like that usually have, have a group. Uh, start networking, see what other authors are doing, talk to the other authors, see what their marketing plans are, what works and what doesn't. I mean, it's different for everybody because everybody has their own strengths and weaknesses and, and time and money and you know it all varies as far as what you can do. But um, yeah, don't feel like you have to go it alone for sure. There's there's lots of lots of groups out there to join and to get some experience and ask questions. How about your parting shot? Uh, related to that, don't be afraid to talk to the authors. <laughs> uh, as far as if you're a reader, I mean, we'd love to talk about books. We're not scary people. We're, we're honestly probably pretty quiet people. So we love when you actually come ask questions. Uh, we love to talk about our characters, talk about books talk about what you like to read, what we like to read. We're, we're just normal people. Uh, as you're, if you're an author, definitely talk to the other authors, see what they're doing, see what they're writing, pick up their books, see how they're formatted, ask all the questions you wanna ask. We're, we're generally very helpful people to each other. We all try to help each other out. Okay, well, thank you. Thank you, Jean. And thank you. It's been a pleasure, thank you. Oh. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our brand new podcast show for the love of books featuring indie and small press authors who bravely navigate the treacherous waters of self-publishing and marketing even during the pandemic. I will be your host, Emma, and we're going to have a great show with an international guest lineup as we move forward to vaccinating the entire globe. <laughs> this show was made partly possible by the generosity of Doc A.E. Chavent and her support for the arts. It is my pleasure to present to you author Jean Davis of West Michigan. She writes science fiction and fantasy. Davis has authored a total of eight books, including a space opera series, The Narvan, two short story collections, and three standalone novels. Davis falls into the category of what I call COVID authors, meaning that she wrote, finished, published, and marketing during the pandemic at full speed, regardless the absence of in-person author events. Welcome, Jean. Well, thank you. Jean, tell us about your COVID author experience. Which books were written and published in the pandemic? Oh my, <laughs> I had a very busy COVID time. Um, I actually got a lot of writing done because I, I wasn't out selling books and meeting readers at, at events. So um, I actually published uh, Dreams of Stars and Lies came out during COVID and also uh, the second book and third book of the Narvan. Uh, one came out at the very beginning and then one just came out uh, last month. Uh, that came out during COVID. And I've also co-authored a book during COVID. I've written another, a couple books during COVID. Um, and I'm getting ready to publish another one uh, next month or this actually this month now. Yes, at the end of this, this month. month. Yeah. So how would you compare COVID publishing or during the COVID era to publishing in normal times? I had a lot more time to just <laughs> sit down and get some writing and editing and, and work on covers and all that good stuff uh, that I probably would not have normally had because I would have been out doing all these events on the weekends and working during the week. and. Um, that kind of limits my time to do all that fun stuff that I need to do to get books out. So uh, I, I got a lot more productivity in with everything being canceled. <laughs> uh, the one thing I was not able to do obviously was go out and do book signings and go to the art festivals and red fairs and craft shows and Comic-Cons like I normally do to get to meet readers and, and actually more market and sell the books, but um, they are all available online. So I, I do have them out there. They are out there. People will find them. When did you start writing and why? Uh, I started writing as a young child in elementary school. 
uh, and mostly just worked on little short stories. And, and actually one of my very first longer stories was kind of a novella was the seed for the first book of the Narvan that I ended up writing in, gosh, 1980 something in there. Uh, I took some creative writing classes in high school and then um, kind of just let it, I, I wrote, but I wasn't really all that serious about it till my kids were probably finally getting into kindergarten. And I, I had that time to just sit and do some writing on my own that I, I didn't have for many years with kids being little. Uh, I've always been writing, but I didn't start writing seriously until about 2006. And at that point, I kind of made a pledge that I wanted to publish a book in some way by, uh, by the time I was 40. Uh, I made it by, I think I was 39-ish in there that I, I finally started publishing. I did some short stories and then got a contract for my first novel. And then it's all just been going from there. It's been, it's been a great train ride so far. Good. What do you feel sets you apart from other authors? Um, I like to write a lot of different things. I don't just write science fiction or just fantasy or just paranormal or whatever. I, I kind of jump around. So I do, I have a space opera series that is uh, kind of more of an involved. So if you like, uh, like Star Trek and Star Wars and that kind of thing, it's a very involved world with not make your brain hurt sci-fi, but, but good involved sci-fi. Uh, and then I have a sci-fi romance story. I have a fantasy story. Um, I have short story collections. And then I have a dystopian novel. My next one coming out is a comedic fantasy novel. I, I, I like to read a lot of different things. So I like to write, I, I don't want to be stuck in just one specific little niche. Yeah. What have you learned about yourself while writing your books? Um, gosh, about myself. Well, I guess I like to talk to imaginary people a lot. <laughs> Or something real people. <laughs> so do you like to talk to imaginary people more than to real people? I do. I, yeah. Yeah. They, they they're easier to talk They're easier. To? Yeah. They don't necessarily listen to me, but but I, I can have more active conversations. So yeah. <laughs> Understandable. How have you changed as an author? Um, I did when I originally started writing, um, you know, my writing wasn't very good because I was just starting. But uh, I started writing a lot of very, my, my earlier stuff was very dialogue heavy, especially my early drafts uh, when I first started writing because I, I really focus on the dialogue and not necessarily on the scenes and the setting and then the, mm -hmm. the character's development kind of stuff. And I would have to go in and add all that in later uh, during the many letters of editing. And now I kind of... I have that in my head that this is a thing I need to work on. And so now I, I'm able to, to put out a first draft that has much more of that included than I did originally. Because I, I have the little editing voices in the back of my head of all these different people that have helped me over the years. And like, this one says I should add this. And oh, yep, I better not forget this. <laughs> what platform do you publish on and why? I kind of dip in all the baskets. So I have... I have done self-publishing. I've published through a small press. And as self-publishing, I have gone through Amazon. I have worked with Smashwords and I have worked with Ingram Spark. And it's, they all have their benefits. So it just depends on what you're going for. I have, I like Amazon for the fact you can do the Kindle Unlimited program. And some people, you know, if they're in that, that it's really nice, you can say, hey, I have books on Kindle Unlimited and maybe they would try you out there while they already are paying for that program. And then if they like your books, they would actually purchase ones that are not on Kindle Unlimited, um, which is why I like Smashwords because they're a wider distribution through all the different online things for your eBooks. So I have um, Dreams of Stars of Lies is actually on Smashwords and then my newest book will also be through there. Uh, they are on Amazon, but they are not Kindle Unlimited books. And then my series is all through Ingram Spark, which I actually ended up doing that because my publisher of the first, they published the first book through a small press and they had gone through Ingram. And obviously I didn't want to pull my book from Ingram because it was actually gets more, just much wider distribution through that than you would through Amazon. And so I've done all the rest of the series books through there. Okay. 
And you have also co-authored a book with Ingar Erdholm. Yeah. How did yes. that work out? I just can't even, even imagine co-writing anything with anyone. It was fun. Um, we, we share a lot of um, tents at different events and things. And so we've, we've worked together at tables and things. And I, I helped format when he had to reformat his first book and I helped him do that. And then I helped him edit the second book, uh, went over that form a little bit. So I was very familiar with his first two books. And he wanted to get his third book out because he he's a slower writer. He just some people, everybody writes at different states. And I'm a yes. very fast writer as far as getting the first draft out. Um, so we had kind of talked. He had read Destiny Pills and Space Wizards, one of my short story collections. And it has some um, stories that's told from a kid's point of view. And he, he kind of liked those. And he said, well, would you be interested in helping me get the set third book out so it doesn't take years for him to get the next book out? Mm -hmm. For, for younger adults and he has a, a window of, of age groups that the books are appropriate for and, and by the time he was getting the first book out they were out of out of the age group by the second time the second book came out yeah. said, going um, so he asked me to write help him write this third book and he kind of wrote the outline it's kind of a bare bones of the chapters and then I went and put a bunch of meat and muscle on them for him and then gave them back to him and then he kind of rewrote everything in his voice because it needs to match the first two books uh, so it doesn't sound completely different than the first two in my voice. So he, he ended up rewriting everything. Um, it's in editing right now. And hopefully that book will be out. The um, Traveling Circus and the Skeleton Key will be out in May, I believe, is what he's aiming for. How long did the whole process take from the initial idea or to the final product? He gave me the um, outline and I, it, I don't remember exactly what month it was, but it probably took me a month and a half uh, going over his stuff. We kind of went back and forth on different scenes because he was working on stuff and I was working on stuff. We were sharing a document. Um, and I think there was only one time that, that we were both working on the same scene accidentally. <laughs> and so he had to kind of mishmash the best of both worlds there. But it worked out fairly well. Um, I, I think it took about a month and a half for me to add my stuff and then kind of handed it over to him to do everything he needed to do with it to put it back in his voice. Wow, that's so interesting. Um, what do you find the easiest and the hardest in the whole process from the initial idea to getting the book in front of the readers? Um, I, I, I draft pretty quickly. So I usually, I do national and all the writing months. So November is always my writing month and I always get a, a rough draft of something out. Uh, one year it was short stories that I did. And I think, I think for the most part, I've done a novel every year out of that. Where in this past past year I did two novels. So because COVID productivity, um, right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I've I've always been good about just getting a draft out when I set my mind to it that I'm going to get a draft and do a draft really quickly. As far as what takes me the longest or the hardest is probably the editing of it because I have I do my edit and then I. I do, I do probably three layers of editing and then I send it out to um, some of my friends that kind of do developmental editing on, or critique partners and have them go over it and then it comes back to me. And then that process takes a lot longer because I have to weigh what their feedback and what I want to change. And, and then once we, once we get over that hump, then things go pretty quickly again. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> out of the new book, there are five stories in the new book, right? Which yeah. one is your favorite and why? Oh, that's a good question. I have to familiarize myself with which stories on here. Um, I would say probably Sipper was my favorite. I love them all. Yeah, <laughs> I asked me to pick one of my children. Um, Sipper was probably my favorite just because uh, it's, it's a longer story. It's probably my longest short story I've ever written. Um, it's kind of the anchor story for the book. And it was, it was a lot of fun to write. I did a lot of, um, I, I had, I, I pounded that story out and I was really happy with it. And then I sent it off to um, Stella, who is one of my favorite critique partners. And she read it and she's like, well, you could change this. I had sent it out in submissions actually for a while, but it was kind of a, on the longer end of, of what people are looking for for short stories. And so she read it and she, she made some excellent suggestions and it really, I think brought the story around to where I really wanted it to be that I didn't even know before she read it. <laughs> How many words is it, that longest story? Ooh, um, I don't know off the top of my head. I would say it's probably somewhere between 
I would say maybe 15,000 words. Oops. Oh yeah, that is yeah. longer. That's yeah. a longer short story. That's yeah. a longer short story, yeah, I bet. When do you find the time to write? The favorite I, question we all get asked. When do you I find usually the write, time to write? In the morning is my, my time to write where I, I kind of have that set aside. Um, that could be where I'm actually writing. I could be editing. I could be critiquing something for somebody else or whatever, but I, I am sitting in front of the computer doing book re, book related things. And then after work, I'll usually try to get in a couple pages of something that also before dinner. And then after dinner, um, assuming we have nothing going on, I'll usually slink back down here and, and work on it a little while longer yet. If if the uh, mode in my mind is, is in, in the right mood for that. Um, but yeah, I usually am fairly productive during the day. I, I'd say I probably spend two hours in the morning and two to three hours in the evening if, if all goes well. Wow, that's pretty cool. Wow. Where, where will people find you in person this year? Person this year? Uh, hopefully in a lot of places. <laughs> Just maybe some of them, some of your favorite ones where you get yeah. a really good turnout and return customers. Yeah, um, I will definitely be doing the uh, Muskegon Lakeshore Art Festival. Hopefully we'll get that again. That's a big author tent. So we have uh, 20 different authors there. Uh, that's a lot of fun. We do that one. Hopefully we'll be at Grand Rapids Comic Con. If Please let us that, have that happen again this year. Please, uh, so please. I'll be, yeah, I had a really good time there, not last year because it didn't happen, but the year before, uh, mm -hmm. meeting a lot of readers there. Uh, let's see the other big ones I'm doing. Um, let's see, Get Geeked over uh, in the Lansing area, I believe that one's at. Uh, that's another Comic-Con and we'll be doing PenguinCon. That's a virtual event. Okay. Uh, so not necessarily in-person person, but in Zoom-ish kind of person. Zoom-ish. Um, Zoom <laughs> I'm not sure what platform we're doing that on yet. But uh, yeah, that'll be later on this month. Uh, I think it's the 22nd through the 25th. That's pinglecon.org. You can sign up for that. That's all things sci-fi. Um, and so it's and and open source software and craft things and all kinds of fun stuff happens at that. When it's in person, it's a lot more fun, but we'll do what we have to do this year. Well, definitely. Where can people find your books? Uh, my books are all online. They're all on Amazon. Uh, like I said, the newest one um, and my next one will be uh, on Snapwords. So that one is much more widely available. And then my series is pretty much everywhere that's, that you can find books online. So that was at Barnes and Noble. It's probably, at the, it's at the Apple iBooks. I you know, it's all, all the different fun places you can find books. And you can also find them on my website if you want to buy uh, signed paperback copies at jeandavisauthor.com. What is your favorite or maybe most trending seller format? Is it paperback or Kindle? I would say people buy paperbacks when I go out and meet readers and they, I say, oh, they're also in, in paperback, or, you know, in ebooks. And they're like, oh, I really like the feel of a book. I like books. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I, I sell both, but, but people really tend to like the paperback books. I, I, I do too. I'm, I have some books that I read on Kindle, but I prefer to have them in my hands. <laughs> Me too. Exactly. Me too. Tell us about your award for trust. You got an award for trust. Yes, that was the author shout out award. And um, that was kind of fun. I don't normally enter a lot of contests and stuff. Uh, I, I, it seems like a lot of them are kind of pay to play and I'm, I'm not all about that. I, I'd rather have readers just find it and, and enjoy it and post a nice review. But mm -hmm. uh, that one happened to be, I, I, it was pandemic time and I'm like, well, I, I need to get out there somehow. So I'll try a contest. And there were actually a lot of Michigan authors placed in that. So it was really fun to be nice. yeah, in a contest with a lot of, lot of my peers. That was, that was a lot of fun. How cool. Would you like to read to us from your Dreams of Stars and Lies? Yes, I will read Dreams of Stars and Lies. Yes. Nice cover. <laughs> Tell us about the cover. So this is actually um, a cover that I did. And the crystal on here um, is actually from Sipper. It's... There, she goes to, Tia goes to a planet to kind of explore. And there's all these crystal towers on, on the planet that people okay. lived in. And so she gets to go live in one and find out why they are no longer there. It's a whole mystery, science fiction mystery. Yeah, 
So that's fun. But this is actually a crystal that I own that I, I took a picture of and, and played with. But played I, with. it's on a necklace that I wear. <laughs> nice. I like that. Very cool. So I'm going to read to you from a, a story called Battery which is a story I wrote for uh, my local writing group. We kind of had a prompt that we were working on together. And uh, mm -hmm. it's a story I, I brought to a, one of our meetings to have critiqued. And then I kind of went off on it and after that and got it finished up. And... So Battery starts with a glass wall surrounded Cecilia's narrow bed and the small table with two chairs, a pristine quiet square in the midst of the chaos of the warehouse. The white coats were busy today, sifting their sipping their coffee and buzzing around between desks and equipment. As always, two pairs of eyes watched her. Sitting atop the fluffy white comforter, her legs were crossed in a pillow clutched to her chest. She watched them back. Over the years, she'd watched Raymond's hair turn gray and wrinkles creep up further from Charlotte's eyes. Today, the pink of her lipstick had already feathered into the lines around her lips. When Celia had first arrived here, Charlotte had her held her hand, leading her to what Charlotte called the special playroom. The woman had seemed so tall, towering over Celia as she led the way into the room that she still sat in so many years later. The toys were gone, though. They hadn't been pleased with how she played with them. No one held her hand anymore, either. In fact, no one touched her at all. Everything was passed through a two-part slot in the door. Raymond and Charlotte spent the morning in their chairs, talking, about, talking without looking at one another, keeping their eyes on her. Celia watched the other white coats pointing at the screens and passing papers back and forth. They all stayed back too far for her to hear them. She passed the hours making a conversation, their imagined voices playing out in her head. Dr. Herschel came in in the afternoon. His arrival allowed Charlotte and Raymond to take their lunch breaks. The doctor's bent form shuffled closer as he dragged one of the chairs over to the speaker near the sealed slot in her door. He pressed the button and activated the speaker. A faint hum filled her room. Good afternoon, Celia, he said, as he always did. He settled into the chair, balancing a notepad and pen on his lap. He didn't wait for her to reply. She rarely spoke. I brought something for you. Are you hungry? It had been a long time since she'd eaten. Enticed by his offer, she let go of the pillow and swung her legs over the edge of the bed. Celia stood, loose pants settled over her legs, sliding down to her feet. She hovered just above the floor. Come on then, he said. Dr. Herschel opened the slot and slid a rectangle through. It landed on the shelf inside the door with a heavy thunk. Two silver nodes protruded from the top. Her hands tingled with anticipation. Celia willed her body forward, gliding just above the floor. She only guessed was smooth. She'd never touched it. Celia willed her body, oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm hearing noises behind me here and it's distracting. <laughs> it's fully charged, he said. He picked up the battery and tried to ignore the hordes of white coats she knew were rapidly watching behind the safety of the yellow line that surrounded her room. If she weren't half starved, she would have set the meal on the table and made them wait. Her favorite game was to try to catch them being unobservant. That's why they had white coats and chairs now to make sure someone was always watching. She sighed. The only def defense she had left was to turn her back to them. Even then, she knew the sensors and cameras were all around her room. They'd still see everything, but somehow it felt like a little victory that they couldn't see it with their own eyes. Celia placed her hands over the cool metal of the nodes, opening her power well. She drew from the battery. The tingle of incoming power invigorated her, but it wasn't enough. She still needed more. She dropped the empty battery back onto the shelf. A scratching sound filtered through the speaker. Still hungry? The doctor put his pen down. If you speak to me, I'll get you another one. Well, last time she'd smoked the white coats had been horrified by the toys spinning through the air. It had been a wondrous day. The power inside her coalescing into something she finally understood. Something from her deep memories from home. A place far from here. If only she could speak to one of her own kind, she would surely understand her powers better. But the doctor and his team seemed to think she could understand them all on her own. You can do so much, Celia. Those who found you told us of great miracles done by your people. Don't you want to do glorious things? There was far more to life than sitting here on a bed all day. There was nothing more for her. The white coats made sure of that. We've been at an impasse for far too long, my dear. And if we don't start making progress, our little endeavor here would be terminated. His cloudy blue eyes drilled into her from the other side of the glass. Do you understand what I mean? Celia blinked once, engaging her secondary vision. Inside the doctor, his system moved slowly, the large muscle in his chest pumping at an inadequate rate. Dr. Herschel wouldn't be coming to see her much longer. Not that she would tell him so. His age-spotted hand curled into a fist atop the writing-filled page. I know you understand me, Celia. You understand everything here. You're a smart girl. We have the scans to prove it. Years of data. The doctor's fist thumped hard on the glass. What I need are results. 
And if you want to keep breathing, you're going to provide them. Is that clear enough for you? And then I'm well going to done. Nice, very nice and enjoyable. Question. Where do you see the future of the indie experience going? What is the future of indie authors? It's I wide know, open. I never asked that question. It just occurred. To me. <laughs> Oops. Throw it at me, why don't you? No, I mean, it's wide open. There are so many opportunities for, for authors right now. Well, not right now during COVID, but uh, getting out and just meeting readers at all different places. And there's there's so many places. Everyone reads. Well, most people read, right? Most. Yeah, <laughs> most people read. Yeah, so there's, I mean, you could meet authors or meet readers everywhere. Uh, it's just getting out and talking about your books, really. Yeah. Do you think more people will go indie rather than traditional? I think so. I think so. I mean, having worked with a small press, I mean, it was nice as far as getting my first book out and, and my second book on it, uh, out, but it takes a long time. And um, some people are impatient. Hi, that's me. I'm impatient. And um, <laughs> so while they were taking so long to publish my books, I actually self-published a couple books during that interim time before they published my second one. Uh, and and really, if, if you're some of the bigger small presses do a really good job with marketing and promotion, but a lot of them don't. Uh, they're they're focused on on their little niche and doing their thing. And um, so you're doing a lot of marketing on your own anyway. And so be able to, to be able to indie publish and, and know what you're doing and get out and do your own marketing and you get to keep the profits for yourself, which you're the writer. So as long as you can do the, do the work to get the book out, you know, in a, in a quality book, then I think you should go for it. So what would you recommend to completely newbie authors, indie authors who published their first debut book during the pandemic? How should they get into our circles? Because we were lucky <laughs> enough to meet in person. Not everybody had that privilege. Right, <laughs> definitely. Look at your Facebook groups in your area, search for you know, uh, writers groups in your area, author groups, and start networking with them. Um, look for critique groups, books, bookstores, libraries, things like that usually have, have a group. Uh, start networking, see what other authors are doing, talk to the other authors, see what their marketing plans are, what works and what doesn't. I mean, it's different for everybody because everybody has their own strengths and weaknesses and, and time and money. And, you know, it, it all varies as far as what you can do. But um, yeah, don't feel like you have to go to long for sure. There's, there's lots of lots of groups out there to join and to get some experience and ask questions. How about your parting shot? Uh, related to that, don't be afraid to talk to the authors. <laughs> uh, as far as if you're a reader, I mean, we'd love to talk about books. We're not scary people. We're, we're honestly probably pretty quiet people. So we love when you actually come ask questions. Uh, we love to talk about our characters, talk about books, talk about what you like to read, what we like to read. We're, we're just normal people. Uh, as you're, if you're an author, definitely talk to the other authors. See what they're doing, see what they're writing, pick up their books, see how they're formatted, ask all the questions you want to ask. We're, we're generally very helpful people to each other. We all try to help each other out. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you, Jean. And thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.